Hello and welcome to another episode of Stick Together, focusing on union news and social justice issues. This program is produced in the Melbourne studios of 3CR and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm Matt Conkle. On this week's show, we take a closer look at the ongoing fight of the workers locked out at Parmalat's dairy food processing plant in Echuca, Victoria. We'll also speak with Kate Lee from Unionator Broader Feeder about the work they do and in particular the campaign to eradicate asbestos worldwide. But first, some union news. The Federal Coalition is seeking to push an omnibus bill through the Senate that includes dramatic cuts and other anti-worker measures. The bill contains a number of so-called zombie measures that failed to pass the Senate after the regressive 2014 federal budget. The government is holding families hostage, promising only to make small increases to childcare benefits if the bill is passed. But, if enacted, the bill would also end the energy supplement to new welfare recipients, making it even harder for them to make ends meet. It would also see some women lose part of their paid parental leave. There are several other cuts and measures designed to punish low- and middle-income earners while leaving multinationals free to continue avoiding their fair share of tax. The bill would also increase the pension age to 70. While the government argues that such a move is necessary because we are living longer, they seem to forget that this is in large part due to taxpayer-funded health research and universal health care. It comes at a time when the government is making damaging cuts to health funding and undermining the Medicare system. Increasing the pension age shifts the benefits of healthcare expenditure away from the public to the advantage of big business. Such a move will expand the growing class of elderly workers who cannot afford to retire, putting further downward pressure on wages and conditions. Public sector workers in New South Wales have defied court orders to take industrial action last week, protesting the New South Wales state government's plans to privatise disability services in preparation for the rollout of the NDIS. More than 700 members braved heavy rain to march on Parliament House, with several regional rallies also raising awareness on the issue. The move mirrors plans in Victoria to privatise some state disability services, where unions say it will put those with complex needs at risk, with the private sector either unwilling or unable to provide the needed support with the low levels of federal funding provided for the NDIS. Hundreds of unionists rallied in Adelaide this week to protest the changes to the ABCC legislation snuck through the Senate with the support of crossbenchers Darren Hinch and Nick Xenophon. The changes throw the construction industry into chaos as it changes the start date of the regressive new building code, meaning several businesses who have signed EBAs with the CFMEU in recent months will now no longer be able to win lucrative government work. The rally focused on how the regressive new building code will lead to reduced OHS standards and an increase in casualisation in the industry. Speaking at the rally was Pam Gurner-Hall, whose husband was killed on site. There's a story that links Nick Xenophon directly to Jorge. Years ago, when I first met him, 15 years ago, Nick was trying to get himself uh, a platform in the, the Federals. And Jorge and I went to visit him, and he was at a Greek fair, and he had a little table, and Jorge, in his usual way that he went about it, started drilling him on what his what, uh, platform was. What did he stand for? Jorge talked to him about what it was like to be a worker in this industry and coming from another country some of the difficulties he faced on the sites, you know, even around so far as he had such a strong accent. And they had a big long chat. Nick said, yeah, you know, I'm with you, mate. I'm with you, mate. Well, I just want to ask Nick, where the hell are you now? Where the hell are you now? You're either, you're either with the workers or you're against the workers. So let me just start off on that platform because that is a serious devastation that Nick Xenophon would be signing off on legislation which is against what we're, what we're trying to achieve here, which is safety on sites. 
The CFMEU have vowed to step up their fight against the ABCC, with Dave Noonan quoted as saying that the union will take the fight to the streets and that there will be further large-scale protests against these attacks. Current and former staff of lingerie and adult chain Honey Birdette have stepped up their campaign for safer workplaces after widespread reports from employees about maltreatment and sexual harassment. After fiery protests in Melbourne last year, the campaign has spread into state with dozens of workers and supporters marching on the Sydney headquarters of the company. The protest urged customers to break up with Honey Birdette, who has been accused of forcing staff into demeaning and suggestive sale practices to boost revenues and of ignoring repeated claims of sexual harassment by customers. If you'd like to find out more about the campaign, you can find more information on the Young Workers Centre Facebook page. Hundreds of union members attended a rally on Valentine's Day to continue their campaign against the privatisation of the Wyong Hospital in New South Wales. The protest is another example of how unions are fighting the neoliberal program of privatisation across the country. Unions WA are spearheading a campaign in the lead-up to the WA state elections against the Liberal government's plans to privatise the electricity system. The fight may also be coming to Victoria too, with news reports in The Age flagging that the state Labor government is looking for further asset recycling opportunities in the upcoming budget. Asset recycling is just a euphemism for privatisation, pushed by the federal Liberal government who is seeking to starve the states of key infrastructure funding to pressure them into further privatisation of public assets. In international news, British supermarket chain Tesco have been rocked by a series of rolling strikes at their Irish stores. Members of Mandate, the retail and hospitality union, are campaigning against the company's plan to unilaterally change the contracts of their longer-serving employees, which would see wage cuts of up to 20%. The changes would also have negative effects on work-life balance, requiring greater flexibility and lowering rostering protections. While the dispute predominantly centres around a minority of the company's 14,500 workers, those employed prior to 1996, the strikes and pickets continue to grow across the chain. Initially, eight stores commenced an indefinite strike on Valentine's Day, but were joined late last week by a further eight stores. In the face of mounting pressure, Tesco has agreed to talks with the union with a view to resolving the dispute. Despite this, the strike appears destined to grow further, with 23 more stores scheduled to vote on strike action this week. You can follow the campaign on the workers' Facebook page, Tesco Workers Together. Good news out of Kenya, where a court of appeal has released seven leaders of the Medical Practitioners, Pharmacists and Dentists Union, who were jailed last week for refusing to end a two-month strike in public hospitals. In response to the jailing, private doctors called for a 48-hour strike, adding further pressure to the government. Over 5,000 medicos remain on strike, seeking the implementation of a deal made between the union and the government in 2013. You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. On the 18th of January, Palmlight locked its gates, shutting out about 70 workers. The company's industrial action comes after members of the AMWU and ETU refused to accept cuts to wages and conditions during the most recent round of enterprise bargaining. The workers who produce yogurts and dairy desserts are also fighting against the introduction of a two-tiered wage system where new employees would be paid much less for doing the same work. The company has also applied to terminate the enterprise agreement, which would have devastating effects on the workers. We spoke with Tom Hale from the Food and Confectionery Division of the AMWU and one of the long-serving union delegates, Michael Edwards, who were outside the plant. This is Tom Hale from the AMWU. We started negotiating with the company back in July. The agreement was to run out on the 1st of September and 
and we'd had, by the 1st of September, we'd had four or five meetings with the company and, and we just got the impression that they weren't seriously trying to reach agreement. Um, it was going nowhere and then um, they put up this offer that was 0% pay rise for four years initially and uh, take away rights in relation to consultation, regulation of the use of contractors. Um, so basically it was an attack on the right to organise, attack on people's wages and conditions and an attempt to try and make the workplace precarious by putting contractors or labour hire or um, increasing the casualisation. The union had its concerns about whether or not the company was bargaining in good faith and then at one point the company came out and said that they were looking to terminate the existing agreement. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Okay, well before they did that they put that agreement out to a vote of the workers. The members overwhelmingly knocked that back. I think it was 63 to 5 or something from memory. So they, um, the members, um, very loud and clear, told them that um, they weren't copping that. As part of the lead-up to that, the manager was calling people in in small groups and saying to them, if you don't accept this proposal and it's not accepted, we're going to close the factory. So um, even under those sort of threats, the members overwhelmingly rejected their proposal. The next meeting, we had one further meeting, and at the ne end of the next meeting, sort of five weeks after the expiration of the agreement, the company announced they would be making an application to terminate the agreement, and the impact of that is that um, people would end up back on the award. What would the impact be to the workers out there if the agreement was to be terminated? It would be more than 40%. Um, and, it, and it varies on classifications and that sort of stuff. But it would be more than a 40% um, decrease in wages. The redundancy would be reduced from four weeks per year of service down to a maximum of 16 weeks. And now there's people here that have been here 34 years, um, and that's a significant decrease in, uh, in their entitlement. If the enterprise agreement was to be terminated, how much money per week would the average worker lose out at Parmalat? They would probably go from around a thousand bucks a week down to a bit over six hundred. Now that varies on the classifications. An electrician that would be um, significantly different, but that would be, I guess, a, a machine operator, process worker. And what would it mean for a small community like Echuca if there were 65 workers who were suddenly earning $400 a week less? Um, look, most of the people here, I think, spend the money that they earn. That money goes into the local economy and they buy meat from the butcher and bread from the baker and newspaper from the newspaper shop. Um, and that all feeds through um, the local economy and, and creates other jobs for people in the community. The company's been called out for playing dirty, uh, and it, indeed in the hot weather the last couple of weeks, the company turned off the tap that kept people with drinking water on the on the picket line. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, the um, company turned off 
the drinking water when they saw that people were using it to um, fill up drink containers and that sort of stuff. Um, and the local community has chipped in. Um, they've donated the use of a water tanker. So there's a water tanker parked in the car park um, with, they tell me, 13,000 litres of water in it. And so that um, the community's chipped in to bypass um, the mean-spiritedness of the, of the company. Um, this is the second lockout since 2000, um, and the first lockout was under Nestle when they owned the site, um, and that lockout went for eight weeks. So the union and the company have been in conciliations in front of the Fair Work Commission to try and resolve this dispute. Can you give us a bit more information about how that's going? We've got another meeting this morning, and the commission is coming up um, to Echuca, and we're hopeful but uh, realistic about it. Uh, we're... Um, We'd like to see a fair resolution, but um, we're not banking on it. Are the union and the company still a fair way apart on the issues that are outstanding? We're, we're never going to agree to them um, being able to um, uh, destroy permanent full-time jobs. We're not going to agree to them having a two-tier wages system where new employees are paid less than the existing employees, um, that is just going to be a recipe for um, destroying the organisation on the side. And what's next? And are there things that listeners can do to help support the workers out at Echuca? Um Yeah, there's a, um, a collection that is, is going on. I don't have um, the numbers in front of me. There is a bank account through the AMWU um, where members, where workers in other sites um, can do collections, make donations. Um, there's a web uh, or a Facebook page um, that is called the AMWU DTU Chuka uh, Lockout. Um, that is a open Facebook page, so people can go on there and give messages of support. Um, and those messages um, are very helpful in keeping the worker spirits up. The worker spirits are very good. Um, people are strong and determined, um, and um, every bit of support helps to maintain that. This is Union Delegate Michael Edwards. Yeah, I'm a, a yogurt maker here, just uh, receiving milk and processing the milk and adding powders and turning it into yogurt. Uh, we make dairy desserts that as in chocolate desserts and uh, range of light and regular yogurts. How long have you worked at Parmalat? Twenty six years. What can you tell us about the the members out there? What are they What are they like as a bunch? A uh, great bunch of people, close community, small town, and yeah, everyone's fairly close. And can you tell us a little bit about the support that you've been receiving from the local community? Uh, it's been fairly strong. Have they been coming down to the picket line, visiting, dropping off food, that kind of thing? Yeah, a lot of people coming down saying hello and lending support and offering support of food vouchers and money and stuff. Uh, how are the spirits amongst the members? It's uh, it's all pretty good. Of course, none of us know really where it's going to end, and it's 28 days in now. Earlier we had Tom Hale talking about the types of things that the company's after. One of the things that the company's pushing for is a two-tiered wage system where future employees would become, where future employees would have less rights and less pay than the current employees. Can you tell the listeners why it's so important to fight against a proposal like that? It's, it's important because uh, you're basically selling out the guys that haven't even started working 
And Michael, what would it mean to the local community of Echuca if the company got their way and was to cut pay and to have a new a new tier of lower paid workers out there? What would it mean for the local community? It would probably hurt a lot of businesses with a lot less cash going around, a lot less money in everyone's pockets to, to do a lot of things. And so obviously being on strike stressful and the union movement can kick in and support the workers how they can. Is there anything in particular that you think listeners out there and trade unionists around the country could do to help you win this dispute? Uh, just lend their support, show their support in any way they can. There's a campaign on social media, they can get onto that. I think at the end of the day, if this one isn't won, it's, it's going to spread right around the country. The workers are maintaining a 24-hour protest camp at the plant. You can visit them down at Denmark Road, Yuchuka. Or as Tom said, you can donate money to keep the fires burning and the workers strong by heading to www.gofundme.com forward slash support hyphen Parmalat hyphen workers. Parmalat is spelt P-A-R-M-A-L-A-T. You're listening to Stick Together Around the Nation on your local community radio network. Unionate Broader Feeder is an international aid and development organisation set up to extend the solidarity of the Australian union movement with our comrades overseas. Joining us by phone is Executive Officer Kate Lee, who's going to speak to us about the work of a feeder and in particular their campaign to eradicate asbestos worldwide. Thanks for joining us on Stick Together, Kate. Thanks, Matt. Great to be here. Uh, Kate, can you tell us a little bit about the history of a feeder? Why was it set up and what does it do? Well, a feeder or union aid abroad, a feeder is the global justice organisation of the Australian union movement and it was established in 1984 and it was set up and endorsed by ACTU Congress in 1985 specifically to establish programs which enabled a worker-to-worker exchange of skills in support of people in particularly in poor countries or particularly in countries that have been subject to conflict and war. And the idea of Union Aid Abroad came about because a young nurse, a young Australian nurse who'd been working internationally and working in refugee camps around the world, and particularly she'd spent a lot of time in the Middle East, her name was Helen McHugh, she was listening as she tells the story she was listening to her little tiny radio lying on a cold concrete floor in the middle of winter with all her clothes on in this refugee camp in in Beirut and heard that Bob Hawke had won the election in 1983 and she thought it was time to come home and in particular she'd been working alongside Norwegian uh, trade union organizations in that camp who also had extended this form of solidarity in terms of financial support and helping people learn skills uh, through a worker-to-worker exchange program. And her view was that, well, we could be doing this in Australia. So she came back and then she and she hunted down the ACTU president at the time. Uh, that was Cliff Dolan. She convinced him of the idea. And together, you know, they made it their cause to win the support across, across um, our trade union movement can you tell us why a feeder is different to other aid organisations in its approach to international development? Well, yeah, look, it is different. And the reason why it's different is because, first and foremost, we support the right of workers to organise and form a union. Not all other aid and development organisations do. It often depends on their own philosophical values and some of them have certainly been established by conservative forces in Australia and internationally and they don't support unions. At its very core, Union Aid Abroad was set up 
and now is supported by the Trade Union Movement of Australia. And so the right to form a union, organise for living wages, for safety at work and for the social wage are core values. So AFIDA runs projects in a number of different countries. Can you provide a bit more info about some of the other projects that AFIDA is running? At the moment, AFIDA is working in 15 countries through about 60 projects. And most of that work is in the Asia-Pacific region, but also extends into some parts of Africa and the Middle East as well. So to give you a bit of an example, working with the Timorese trade union movement in terms of building their capacity, there's a new union um, in Samoa called Samoa First, and we're working with um, a number of Australian unions as well as global unions to support the development of that new union. And similarly in Burma, um, or Myanmar now, as it's called, helping the development of new trade unions unions who have only been able to legally, you know, form since 2012. And then, you know, the social justice program is pretty diverse. Of course, in much of the world, people work as a small-scale farmers, depending on the subsistence living in many countries in our region. So helping to support and organise farmers through cooperatives, through organic farming methods, and also to organise them to be able to articulate, you know, and campaign um, at a national level around their issues. And of course, in recent years, uh, we've had a bit of a focus and now priority campaign area um, around asbestos. So Kate, under your leadership, AFIDA has slightly shifted its focus to have a a stronger organising bent or a stronger Mm -hmm. organising orientation. Can you tell us why you took that decision? Pretty simple, uh, really. Um, As unionists, I think we all believe that we support a whole range of activities that um, we can do internationally. But At our core value, we want to change the system, don't we? We want to change the system so that people have control over their lives and that, you know, our governments are led by what us as citizens want, that we have fair tax systems, that we have fair systems of health and education and, of course, fundamentally the right to organise at work. So part of our new direction is shifting the work we do internationally to put it on a stronger movement-building footing. That's trade union movement and social justice movement. And one of the great examples of this is the campaign that AFIDA is running to eradicate asbestos across the globe. Can you tell us a little bit more about the asbestos campaign? Yeah, well, this is a priority campaign for us over the next two years. And in recent years, we've been working with local groups and organisations in Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos and Indonesia Um, who want to see asbestos banned in their country. Um, While Australia has a ban on the use and import of asbestos, in most countries in Asia, asbestos, white asbestos, is not banned. The big problem here is that there is no global ban yet against the use of white asbestos. And so those countries that still mine asbestos and seek to export it have found new markets right across Asia when countries like us and now Canada and other parts of Europe have said, look, we realise the dangers of asbestos, it can kill you, and we're going to ban it. Unfortunately, the knowledge and awareness around asbestos is just so low in Asia that those countries and those companies and the corporations that you know, mine and export asbestos are finding new markets and like any corporation they're defending those markets vigorously by promoting the idea that asbestos can be used safely. 
So we're working with local campaign groups in those four countries and also working with other groups that work regionally, particularly in South Asia, in India, Bangladesh, Pakistan and other countries so that we can have a coordinated push in Asia about this problem. So, And this is a problem for Australia not just because we care about what happens in Asia but because it's a problem for us here too. And that's because even though we have a ban, we know that a whole lot of imported products coming into Australia are still containing asbestos because they're manufactured in Asia, uh, where it is legal to use asbestos. And we don't have full border control in Australia, which means that we test every product that comes in and that we make sure that no asbestos comes into our country. So this is still a live issue in Australia. So wherever asbestos is traded anywhere in the world, it's still a risk to us here. And that's why we've had such strong support from Australian unions in this international work on asbestos because people realise that unless we have both a global ban and effective national bans across, right across Asia, we can't fully protect Australian workers, their families and communities here at home. How can listeners out there around the country get more involved and support the good work of a feeder? Um, look, it'd be great to have people's involvement and we've got um, activist groups in most major cities and some regional centres as well. So if you want to know if there's a group in your area, then email us on office at aphida.org.au. That's aphida, A-P-H-E-D-A dot org dot A-U. Um, or go to our website, which is www.apheda.org.au and send us a message and we'll put you in touch with local people that you can connect up with. And if there's no group in your local area, we're always keen for new people to get involved and we'd be very, very keen to work with you on linking up you and your um, networks. And listeners out there can also go to the AFIDA's webpage to join up as a social justice partner and join in the campaign of international solidarity and development? Yeah, absolutely. So you can join online, again, at our website. And if you're interested in the asbestos campaign, there's a specific campaign uh, page there on our website as well with some introductory, some basic stuff you can do to raise awareness about asbestos in your workplace and to get more active in the campaign. And if you're particularly interested in that, please get in touch. Kate Lee, thanks very much for joining us on Stick Together. Thanks, Matt. Anytime. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's show. Thanks to Kate, Tom and Michael for joining us. Additional audio for this show was also sourced from the CFMEU in South Australia. In just a minute, I'm going to give you the website that you can log on to help support the locked-out workers at Parmalat, so grab a pen. For anyone in Victoria, a quick reminder that next week is the Women's Rights at Work Festival. Right out of Trades Hall, there'll be heaps of different events and activities to celebrate the collective achievements of working women, past, present and future. You can find out more about the festival by logging on to www.unionwomen.org.au. The website to visit if you want to chip in for the locked out workers at Parmalat is www.gofundme.com forward slash support hyphen Parmalat hyphen workers. Parmalat is spelled P-A-R-M-A-L-A-T. A link to the website will also be available alongside the podcast of this show, which you can find at 3cr.org.au forward slash stick together. If you would like to get in contact with the producers of this show, you can call us on 03-9419-8377 or email us at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. This program is produced in the Melbourne studios of 3CR and broadcast nationally by the Community Radio Network. Tune in next week when Annie will be back with a special International Women's Day edition of the show. 
Finally, remember, no matter where you are or what you do, there is a union for you. My name's Matt Conkle. Until next time, stick together. Stick together.